bucket buckets. Welcome to Blue Wire Buckets, Sam Esfandiari from the Light Years Podcast. I'm pleased to be joined with Mo Dockhill from The Jump Ball. You may have read him on the Washington Post, you may have just seen him around. He's joining the Blue Wire team. And Kevin Johnson, founder of Kevin Jones. Wow. How do you <laughs> Sorry, I get into basketball mode and I'm thinking, you know, Kevin, I think Kevin Johnson. Sorry, KJ. Uh, KJ, founder of Blue Wire. How you guys doing? I'm doing great. I might be calling KJ Kevin Johnson from now on. I mean, his his public rep right now is not the greatest, so that's not the Kevin he probably wants to associate with. Oh yeah, I'm thinking we should start this over, but I'm going to let it fly because it's adding color. But I'm I'm a little I'm a little pissed off right now. But I guess we'll continue. I'll give you I'll give you this much. Uh, I I know his public rep's terrible. He was the first signature shoe I ever bought as a kid. He had some Converse, it had the cool little like gel pocket things or whatever. And, you know, like I never got into Jordans. My parents would never spend the money for Jordans, but I, for whatever reason, was able to get some KJs. Nice. By the way, Jordans were like three times, like at this point, Jordans just cost like 20% more than your other like right basketball at that time it was like three times it wasn't like you know well this is 150 but this is 120 it's like no this is 150 but everything else is 40 dollars. it just didn't make sense so that so it's like my parents were like no we're not buying you those shoes and i wasn't a big sneakerhead so it doesn't didn't matter but it was just like oh okay so um so blue wire bucket's gonna be a three three time a week round table. And for the playoffs, you know, we're obviously going to be reacting to the games of the night before this is the first episode. So, you know, we had everyone go through game one this weekend. We got a lot of games to get to. Um, this one's probably going to, we're going to hit on more games on this episode than we will on upcoming ones, just because of the nature of weekend scheduling of the first weekend of the playoffs. Let's start with this. I thought I thought the playoffs got off to a uh, fantastic start with that Philly Brooklyn game. Um, I kind of thought Philly would walk through Brooklyn a little. Maybe I was a little too high on the the collective talent Philly had. I figured like, okay, they're not, you know, they haven't looked that cohesive this year. But come on, look at look at their roster comparatively, and instead booze are raining on them in the middle of the first quarter. Um, <laughs> Mo, KJ, what were your thoughts watching that game? It was funny for me because I kind of was on the same mindset as you, Sam. And, you know, and, and I've had a lot of people tell me otherwise, like, no, Brooklyn's a team to be afraid of and, and Philly's going to have problems. And and it wasn't that I didn't think Brooklyn was good. It was just like you, I thought, just overwhelming talent, even with, you know, with the possibility of Embiid not playing. You, you know, I still thought like, listen, they should still really be able to put their uh, imprint on this game and, and really put pressure on the uh, on the Nets. And and you got to give the Nets credit for these, those young kids for coming out and really kind of balling and D'Angelo Russell shaking off a terrible first half and having a quality second half. And then, of course, the fans just going nuts because that's what Philly does. Yeah, and I mean, the storyline that comes away from this is Amir Johnson pulling out his cell phone on a bench and, and be looking at it, like, and Ben Simmons in the locker room afterwards talking about the booze and just, I, I don't know, like, Philly just seems like they're all hype. 
it's it's one game. Let's not panic. They're probably still going to win this series, but to me, it just kind of solidifies you know Boston and and Milwaukee are kind of a step ahead of them right now. Yeah, the way I look at it is. <sighs> It's hard for me to like all the criticisms of them were kind of um, it had less to do with basketball aside from like, you know, they could probably use a little more shooting um, It had more to do with like a chemistry's off. And they basically like they proved it in the most aggressive way possible, you know, getting booed by their own fans. Ben Simmons clapping back at the fans, which I thought was just kind of like, come on, man, like grow up a little bit. And then like Embiid and, and Amir Johnson with the cell phone, just like, are you aware it's the playoffs? I don't know. The the cell phone thing was really kind of surreal. Like that one. I mean, Doris Burke went in on them, you know, right after the, you know, on ESPN with, with that on the telecast. And it was just one of those things that just, it makes no sense. And, you know, the NBA has a rule, at least when I was in the NBA, there was a rule. If you couldn't have cell phones on the bench, you we couldn't have an iPad on the bench. We had to walk an iPad out there. It wasn't like we couldn't transfer something wirelessly, you know, it had to be walked out there and things like that. Like that's how strict the NBA was. So that was a really just weird. I've never seen anything like that. I didn't quite understand it. And then when it came to the game, you know, I think it beats injury is, I think there's a lot more going on than, than we're being told about kind of the severity of it. And then just, Everybody just kind of put up a dud. I also don't expect them to shoot as poorly from three as they did that game. I'm pulling up the numbers right now. And I mean, they went three for 25. Like they're not going to do that again. So two thoughts on that. Um, I thought Ben Simmons response regarding the booing was immature and kind of entitled. Like, like, okay, the Philly fans were a little over the top, but like, end of the day, paying consumers, no one was really insulting you personally. You just kind of got to give them the, well, we got, if we, you know, we didn't play well, if we play better, I'm sure they'll cheer. We want to give them a reason to cheer, you know, some sort of like kind of boring answer like that. But um, to, to the point with Embiid, um, I think Embiid hit on, how do I put this? He he kind of um he he said in his rant regarding the booing, you know, we missed a lot of shots. I'm sure if those shots were falling, they would have been cheering instead of booing and you know, we should have done other things, but like he kind of really pointed out the fact that like he just thought they missed a ton of shots. He he thought they had a good game plan for them. They just couldn't hit anything from outside. Um what what I was going to say to to Mo's point about <laughs> Embiid it crossed my mind more than once. Would Philly, because he looks very limited. Mo, do you agree with me? There were times where I was like, "Oh, he looks fine," and then other times where I was like, "No, no, no, yeah. he's hurt. Something's wrong." So, it, it, and you wonder if they'd almost be better looking at like severely cut, like not using him like Joel Embiid, best player on the team, but like cutting his minutes back because they might be better suited just running a little more, and he can't run right now. I kind of looked at it. You know, the the thing, you know, there was all this stuff leading up to the game that he was doubtful. He he might not play and everything. Then all of a sudden, like, game time, it was like, OK, he's ready to play. I don't know. I kind of look at it if I were them and, and hindsight's twenty twenty. Maybe I wouldn't even have played him in game one and give him gave him two more days of rest because, you know, they're they have a quick turnaround. They're playing tomorrow. So maybe give him a little more rest and and, and try to make sure his knees ready to go for game two and he he's closer to a hundred percent at that point instead of you know whatever they were gonna whatever he was gonna be able to give you in game one. Um 
obviously if they win, it's a different story. Right. And we're, we're talking differently, but I just kind of think it's, it's harder now because you lost game one and you're going to try dial back his minutes. Like that's even a more scary proposition for me. And you got to give Brooklyn credit. And those guards were phenomenal. Russell Dinwiddie Levert, my man, that that's my favorite story of the playoffs already. Just considering that injury you had to like put up a performance like that in your first playoff game. Amazing. No, it's always a thing. Every every playoff game feels like the sky is falling. And then the, you know, the team that lost comes out with some adjustment that you're like, oh, wow, they are not robots who just, you know, one. one oh, I guess I guess uh, Embiid right. can score or something like that. So let's move it forward now. Right. Yeah. I think so, nowhere is but, the sky falling more than Toronto right now. Um, how's that for a segue? <laughs> I didn't even know Orlando made the playoffs. I'm not even kidding. I had no idea. <laughs> they were hot down the stretch too. That's a funny <laughs> thing. They're just like, I, I always feel like they're, um, I mean, they're just a good team. They showed why they're a good team. I don't, I don't know. You know, I still think, I feel more confident that Toronto can rip four off than Philly. Um, that's where I'm at. But man, yeah. Kyle Lowry, it's like I hate I hate hot taking like oh, this guy just doesn't have he's not ready for the moment or he you know, he's just not that kind of guy. But like he's really not helping me right now. This is kind of like A Rod in the playoffs, right? Like for the longest time, A Rod never delivered in the playoffs until you know, that one year where the, the, the Yankees won the championship with A-Rod. And that's kind of what I see from Kyle Lowry, except we've yet to see him really deliver yet. This Do you agree with but, me? It's mental. It's not like he's like he has limitations as a player in the way that every player has weaknesses. But I'm not seeing anything that suggests this is a physical or skill issue. No, this is a mental thing. Like he's he's in he's in his own head. You know, we've we've seen him do all the weird stuff that when something's really bothering you, you do the Kobe go shoot in the gym after the game (laughs) in the dark and doing all those weird. Yeah. You know, he's done all those things and nothing's kind of really helped. But it's it's a mental thing. I don't think it's a uh, sure. I mean, there have been a couple of years where every now and then he's had some nagging injuries. But And, and my other thing is, like, if it's an injury, you're like, well, you know, his knees hurt. He can't move the same. It is what it is. Like, you feel bad for the guy. Right. Right. Well, it's just, I just don't see it now. I just don't, I mean, with it, it's just like, this is just who he is, a right? hard thing for him. And, and this is, I mean, shoot. Yeah. And Toronto losing game one of a, of a playoff series. It's almost like a scheduled tweet now. Um, they're <laughs> like what two and 14. It's like, at this point it's becoming a, 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 a normal thing. And, and we're so used to it. That's why you're like, yeah, they can rip off. Force. Yeah. The, I, I will say Kawhi looked excellent. Um, I wonder why, well, is one of those things where you can burn Nick Nurse for only playing him 33 minutes because they lost, but they probably should have won down the stretch regardless, and then he'd have looked like a genius for you know not overextending Kawhi for the first playoff game, right? Yeah, but I also think I think some of it there might be more lingering injury stuff again with Kawhi. I'm not a conspiracy guy, but I just feel like there were so many times right. where it was just like, he's not playing in the lineup tonight. He's, he's in and out. We're resting and we're doing all this stuff. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if, if we don't see Kawhi really going over if they get that there. many minutes until maybe the conference finals. And, and if they get to the final, if they get there and, and yeah, that's true. I just kind of mentally pencil them in. Um, and, or, or if they get to the finals, like until those kind of things, or it's like a, a, 
elimination game. Like I'm, I, I won't be surprised if we see him kind of keeping Kawhi in those minutes in that minute range for, for most of at least the early start of every series. I feel like it's too easy to um, focus on like the four or five good team, you know, I, I guess favorites and not like realize, you know, the, the cool stuff Brooklyn, Orlando right. are doing, but we, we should move this forward to the team. Everyone's bored of talking about the Warriors um, and the Clippers who are kind of a feel good story and definitely on the rise, <laughs> given, you know, what they have going on and the, the cap space and everything. But um, is Steph Curry the best player in the NBA? The rebounding was insane. I could not. We watched a game together, Sam, and I just could not believe him getting every rebound, finishing near the rim. Like, of course, he hit a couple insane, insane threes in that game, but it was just like, dude, he's doing every little thing correctly. Yeah, let me let me rephrase it. When Steph gets rolling, is there anything more terrifying, Mo? No, you can't stop him. It's it's it's. I've never had to go up against this iteration of Steph. Remind the listeners who aren't super familiar. You left the Clippers and you worked with the Clippers until 2014, right? Right. My my last year with the Clippers was the year that we actually knocked the uh, the Warriors. Uh, the, the infamous the infamous Chris Paul point god turnover game. <laughs> yeah. Oh God, that was a killer. Um, we're in the conference finals if he does, if he doesn't lose that game, but, uh, but that was also the Sterling year and, and all of that. So, you know, Steph wasn't, it wasn't like the moment where Steph, Steph realized he could hang, but he didn't realize he's the one yet. And, and, and now he kind of, he's, he's <laughs> deep into it now. Now it's like, he's in like matrix two, you know, and he knows what he can do and he can manipulate everything he wants to. And, and I mean, yeah, when he's rolling like this, it's, it's you just throw your hands up if you're the other coach. Yeah, I was gonna say I did appreciate Doc uh, giving him credit after the game, in a way that like my first thought was like Doc Doc knew he could never say that if Chris Paul was on the roster. <laughs> oh hell no, no way he could. There's no way he could. But again, it's just like I mean, dude, <laughs> eleven to sixteen, eight to twelve from three, fifteen rebounds, seven assists. I mean, he finishes with thirty eight points and a plus twenty seven. Like, that's just absurd. It just, I mean, it was just one of those things where it was like, you know, you, you watch it and you're like, he may not be the best player, but we do not give him enough credit for how great he is. Yeah. Um, I I don't know. When he gets rolling like that, it's, it's hard to even, like, KD was, KD played a really good game. Yeah. <laughs> You want to say it, Sam. You want to say it, Sam. Go, just say it. Just say it. I can see it. You, I can feel it in No, you. it's like, because they're, I mean, it's just, when he gets playing like that, it overshadows everything. There's no other way around it. It's, it's like, it's like, a, it's like a religious experience. You're like, what is going on? The crowd goes off. Like Oracle reacts to Steph in a way it doesn't react to anyone else. Um, yeah, I don't know. There's not much else to say. You know, he's going to have another game like that at some point, And, um, it's quite the way to start the playoffs for the Warriors. They're probably going to sweep everyone up until the Western Conference Finals, right? They'll probably lose. Well, I don't know about that. I think their hardest test will be in round two, but we'll get to Houston um, a little later on. I want to, um, I want to keep it going chronologically. The Spurs. That this might have been my favorite game of the first round. The Spurs Nuggets one. Yeah, that was a fun one. And I hate the fact that they're being relegated to NBA TV for game two and three. Um, I don't know, because I thought it was good basketball, even if it was a little uh, ugly at times, because, I mean, that's just kind of the way those teams match up. Can we talk about, like, I, I keep coming back to this. It's just surreal to me, like, 
I think of the Toronto Raptors right before they got good, having DeRozan and Rudy Gay and how it was like a walking punchline of like ineffective basketball, like guys who put up big numbers but couldn't win. Right. And now Pop's coaching both of them, uh, plus LaMarcus Aldridge, who also kind of fell into that category on some level. And, I mean, I don't know what else you can say about Pop. He's probably the greatest coach of all time. Yeah, I mean, listen, I, I've spent time with the the Spurs. So, obviously, for those who don't know, I spent a couple of years with the Spurs and under Coach Pop. But I've, I've, I've long felt that way, that he's probably the best coach we've ever had in the NBA. And it's just a matter of he's done it in different ways every time. And the one thing I appreciate with him, and I think this is something he's probably learned in the past couple of years is he can't change everybody. You know, that I think, you know, you came into the Spurs system and you, you either jumped right in and, 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 and conformed, or eventually you found your way outside the, you know, getting traded or they wouldn't resign you or whatnot. And, you know, I think when LaMarcus Aldridge a while back asked to be traded and, and Pop kind of had that whole revelation of like, it's not him, it's me. I think we're kind of seeing that where Pop's just adjusting to, these are the guys I have, so I better make it work. You know, this is this is who DeMar, uh, DeMar DeRozan is. This is who Rudy Gay is. This is who LaMarcus Aldridge is. And you know what? He'll just find a way to win. And, you know, they're still going to be hard-pressed to win this series, but they're going to make it tough on you, and it's going to be a challenge in every which way. And I think that's what we're seeing in this series right yeah, now. Yeah, and I mean, I, I kind of feel for Denver because I think we all assume Denver would, you know, they were on the cusp of the playoffs last year. Uh, basically, they they didn't make yeah. the playoffs because they're in the West. They won 45 games last year. Like, they were good. Um, yeah, yeah. I kind of assumed they were going to be like a six seed this year, you know, five to seven, something in that range, right? And, um, you know, and that'd be good for a young team. But then they, they got out to such a hot start. They got the two seed. Now they have these expectations, which are probably above where their players are at, right? Yeah, no, and, is, and, and you're going the, against like the most tough. veteran, like it's the last matchup they'd want given their circumstances. No, it's the last one you want. First off, you have a coach who has never coached in the playoffs and Mike Malone. The only real guy who's getting minutes who has playoff experience is Paul Millsap. Everybody else really doesn't have any experience. Maybe Miles Plumley, right? But not in, um, not in a situation where he's relied upon. Right. Not like, you know, the, the big minutes he's getting now. And, you know, so you have a lot of guys trying to play big minutes in the playoffs and there's, that's a whole other level of stress. It's playoffs are completely different. And, you know, we, we, we kind of saw it in their shooting. I mean, they shot poorly. And the thing is they were wide open looks, you know, um, when I looked at the NBA stats.com, see, I did some homework for the pod, you know, this, this may not happen every time, but I did it today. Um, you know, they shot 19% on shots uh, where they were considered open or wide open, according to NBA stats. Uh, you know, for the season, they shot 36% on those shots. And these are all for three-pointers. You know, they're not a great three-point shooting team, but normally they knock down wide open looks. Like, this is just one of those things where they just couldn't make a shot. And for a while, it really felt like it was the nerves that were getting to them and, 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 and forcing those misses because it wasn't the Spurs' defense. Like, the Spurs are in a weird spot where they stole the game and yeah, still definitely. have a lot to work on. Um, I think that's going to be – I feel like I can pencil that series for seven. 
Um, I hate saying that after any game one, but it feels like that. Uh, let's move to Sunday's games. Um, Boston, Boston, Indiana felt like it felt like I transported back 20 years. <laughs> um, minus, minus the, the uptick in three points. <laughs> um, yeah, it was a, it was a grinded out goon kind of game. And I was kind of impressed by Boston doing that without Marcus smart. Um, they, they're more than capable of defending at a high level without him, but I always kind of felt like he's kind of, he's kind of the one who gets him started and going on that end because of everything he does. So to see him do it without it, just kind of, well, it kind of speaks to how they underachieved all year, if nothing else. Right. But I also think it's just a matter of, you know, the, I also feel like kind of like, this is a team that's ready to go for the playoffs. Like they, Fair or not fair, I felt like there were times where they felt like we're going to turn this on in the playoffs. We're going to be able to do it. And you know what? In game one, they're able to flip the switch. And and granted, this is a good matchup for them. I think they're going to be able to take on Bogdanovich and make it a right. very difficult for him on a nightly basis. I think it's gonna they're going to have a hard time defending defending Kyrie and and all that. So I just think it kind of works out well in Boston's favor. Yeah, definitely. And um, it is it is weird for me to see a team with so many young players have a quote unquote vets mentality with like, wake me up when the playoffs start. And I'll never admit, you know, I it's just never going to click for me. But that's kind of where they're at. I kind of think this whole series is going to it's going to be more games closer to this. They won't shoot this poorly the whole series like it, it won't happen. Um, but, um, you know, I, I don't think this right. is going to be the series. We're going to see one twenty to one twenty five basketball. No, no, no. If they break, it'll be around a hundreds and we'll, and, and we should just be happy with that. At blue wire, we don't just partner with any advertiser. We want to make sure we're giving our listeners a good deal on a product. That's exactly why we love doing business with Harry's. Harry's is giving blue wire listeners a shaving kit for just $3. Go to harrys.com backslash bluewire and you'll save $10 on a trial set, which includes a five blade razor with a lubricating strip and trimmer blade, a rich lathering shave gel, and a travel blade cover. If you're not familiar with Harry's, it's time you should be. Harry's has fixed shaving by combining a simple, clean design with quality and durable blades at a fair price. The founders were tired of paying for razors that were overpriced and overdesigned. Harry's bought a world-class blade factory in Germany that's been making quality blades for over 95 years. Join the 10 million who've tried Harry's. Claim your trial offer by going to harrys.com backslash blue wire. All of Harry's blades come with a 100% quality guarantee. If you don't love your shave, let them know and they'll give you a full refund. Again, make sure you go to harrys.com backslash blue wire to redeem your razor for $3. Portland OKC is the most fascinating series to me. Um, at least it was going into the playoffs. Um, and now even more so because it's it's very clear Paul George's shoulders shot. And and I feel bad for him God, because he, he, he was playing. I mean, I feel like the best case for Paul George being MVP, and he won't win it, was the, the drop-off they had when he got the shoulder surgery showed just how much he was carrying that team. They went from average to, you know, second or third in the West when he was playing at that level. But, you know, now he's dealing with this injury and it's, 
I feel like it's going to turn into the rush show very soon. Just a question of when, and we've, we've right. seen this before. Um, but you know, Portland's also dealing with injuries. I don't know. What were your thoughts on the game? Well, when I thought Russ kind of, I was surprised Russ was very controlled down the stretch, which was something that worries me about them. You know, the, the, the thing is, you know, Portland had an amazing first quarter, you know, shooting, scored 39 points. Freaking Dame was right. going nuts. The arena was going crazy. Everybody was into it. You know, after that, if you just look at, you know, the scorings from the second to the fourth quarter, you know, OKC got into it. You know, they, if you just did that, it was 74. They won the next three quarters. 65 yeah. or something like that. Yeah, exactly. And, and, you know, and that's with PG shooting, freaking shooting like I shoot, which is not well. And that's a problem. For them. It was, it was like if Roberson got 25 shots, basically. Oh, I feel like Roberson would make a couple more even like, I even feel like just by accident, Roberson would make a few more, but you know, if you're OKC as brutal as this was, as brutal a shooting thing, this, uh, exhibition this was for you guys you got to feel at least a little good going like hey it was a five-point game we're in it down the stretch you know a couple of things break our way we're ready to go uh pg had said like he hadn't shot a ball since the game winner against houston like you know which is scary right which which lets you know everything you know about his health which is unfortunate because if he was healthy i feel like they had a free shot to the conference finals oh this would have been a a a cakewalk and this would have been a really interesting but if but then again, if he was healthy, they wouldn't have fallen to where they did in the standings. Either. Yeah, but I mean, it, was, it still would have been an interesting scenario. But I think it's a uh, it's going to be tough for OKC because they just got to be able to score. And you know, defensively, they're they're pretty good. You know, besides that first quarter, they were pretty solid. Um, Dame one, they, they, they I think they can actually def- they can defend um, Portland well enough to win. It's just a matter if they can score enough, right? Don't forget about your boy Enos Cantor, 20 points, 18 rebounds. <laughs> Dame called him the MVP of game one. And, and that's just about that's going to be it for him. Uh, <laughs> I mean, he was huge in this game, but I can't imagine he's going to have that much of an impact the rest of the yeah. series. One thing I noticed was I was like, hey, he doesn't look terrible on defense. And then it hit me, oh, because he's dropping and they can't punish right. him. They have, with Paul George not being able to hit shots, they they literally like it's a lot easier to defend if you're not worried about anyone shooting off of the screen. This is this is a perfect scenario for him defensively. You know, you're not going to go to Stephen Adams twelve times in the post. You know, I know they did it early, right. but you're not going to do it an entire game. There's not going to be a diet of that. Like this is perfect. And like you said, coming off screens, he doesn't have to worry about you know. Russ pulling up like he's Dame Lillard, for example. You're fine with that, right? Like you'll do that. You'll live with that. And if Russ beats you with that, you'll shake his hand and move on. Um, But that's like, that's going to be so few and far between. I think this is kind of a, this is one of the few matchups where it's like, hey, Cantor can play defense against this team. I I, I still think it's going to be a series. And it's in many ways shaping down to Russ versus Dame. Yeah. Because I feel like with, with with Paul George being limited, the supporting cast, while they're different, are very equal in terms of what they're even in terms of what they're trying to do, which is essentially like fill the gaps next to their star point guard that it'll it's going to be fascinating because I, I kind of I think Damian Lillard's a better, better player than Russell Westbrook at this point. But I don't know that it's 
it's just going to be fascinating how that those two play out basically. I mean, I love Dame and, and to be honest, if I had a, a vote, he'd probably be third in my MVP. Like that's how, that's, wow. that's how good I think he's been all year. We just haven't really noticed it and taking an, uh, a Portland team to the, the third seed and, 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 and really kind of, yeah, it's, it's, it's less obvious when a guy takes small, like he just takes like one, one and a half steps forward a year instead of like having the Giannis jump. Yeah, exactly. And, and on top of all that, his leadership and everything like that, I really think like, this is the guy I, I'd, I'd want to play with. And you could see it in his teammates. Like they'll run through a wall for Dame. You can just see it like and right. without him even asking, they'll be like, Oh, okay. Word we're in. Um, you know, so I think that says a lot about him and this team. And, you know, he was real. I mean, Paul George hits a big three to cut it to one down the stretch. Dame shoots from pretty much Steph Curry range, you know, to, to put him back up four. And it really didn't feel like at that point, OKC was going to threaten after that. Right. Um, so let's move forward. I really, I, I don't really want to talk Milwaukee, Detroit, especially since Blake didn't play. Um, If if he doesn't play, there's no point in talking. I'll only say this. If Milwaukee loses a game to the Blake, you know, whenever Blake doesn't play to to the Pistons, I mean, they should just be automatically disqualified from the play. (laughs) Like they're out. Yeah. Well, I, I, judging by today, I don't think we're talking about that, but um, uh, they look every bit as uh, back in their one seating so far. Um, Now let's go to Houston, Utah to close this out. All right. Um. You you texted me. I don't know what's a bigger problem, Utah's offense or defense, and that kind of summed up Game One for me. Because <laughs> anytime you're like, I don't know if they're, you know, worse at half the game or the other half of the game. <laughs> it's yeah, never no. a good sign. <laughs> I mean, I'll say this: I they had the right idea with how to defend Harden. It's it's very similar to what the Bucks did. They just didn't execute it well. I think you know the 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 key side is you got to force Harden into Gobert. The, but on top of that, you got to make sure you have weak side help to to take away Capella's role. And then on top of that, you got to have another guy ready to take that pass to the corner to the wing. Um, and they just didn't do it. And Capella got a bunch of lobs out of it. And whenever they did take Capella out, the other guy wasn't in position and they found the guys for corner threes. And then offensively, it was just like, man, they they really can't score. It was just brutal. Yeah. Um, do you think it's going to change going forward or do you think this is the way the series is going? Cause my personal opinion is I think Utah will adjust. I think they'll make the series. Houston's the better team. Houston's going to win the series in my opinion, but uh, Utah is too feisty to, you know, go down. I don't think it's going to mirror this game. Basically. I don't think it'll be as wide of a gap, but I don't think it's going to be that close of a series. Um, you know, it's not going to be 32 point wins. I, I can see Houston winning game two, Utah coming back and taking game three. And then, you know, Houston kind of taking over from there or whatnot. But I just think it's, a, it's just so hard. There's so much pressure on Mitchell. You know, Rubio started out with the game well, getting getting the offense going. But, and, but he's and not flowing, that, but. he's not that guy to be the, the score, the consistent scoring option you need. No, and and to me, I think the biggest thing is I really wish we had seen Utah make the trade for Mike Connolly. Right. Because I think that takes a lot of pressure off of Mitchell to have to perform, and then you're able to bring Rubio off the bench to do do that kind of stuff. And then I think you're cooking with something. Then then you have something interesting. But obviously they didn't make the trade, and I think we're going to see that 
lack of more playmakers really kind of hurt them. Well, I do think they they seem aware that they're kind they're miss, they need another offensive weapon. They need another guy who they can count on to reliably get them twenty points. Yeah, um, exactly. and and they'll probably it will be fascinating to see what they do this summer. But with regards to this series, um, Harden had twenty eight, ten, and eight. He wasn't. It wasn't the midseason. I'm going for fifty every night, Harden, and they had seven guys in double figures. Something you wouldn't see last year's Rocket team, which won fifty or sorry sixty five games, do. Um, it, it made me start wondering uh, because everyone's kind of assumed this Rockets team is worse than last year's, and I feel like their starting five isn't as kind of cohesive and lethal as the one with Ariza and the one they ran out last year. But they might actually be deeper in terms of weapons. I I think. Last year's starting five was better defensively, and I think yeah. this one's a little bit better offensively. And I and I'm with you. You know, guys like Austin Rivers, although he didn't have a big scoring night, you know he he's help he he's he's a good guy to bring off the bench. I think he's, he's a guy Green, who can get 15, 15 points in in a playoff game randomly, which is something they probably didn't have off the bench yeah. last year outside of Eric Gordon. Yeah, no, exactly that. And I think guys like Kenneth Fareed have been huge for them all year. Um, you know, and, and I think we're putting a little too much on the kid, uh, Daniel house. Um, right. But again, he, he is a guy that, that has shown flashes during the year that, that might be able to step up. So, you know, I kind of agree with you in the sense of like, they are deeper in the, in the bench. It's just a question also, of, you know, how Tony is like, it, this has been just game one, but we know he does really shorten that rotation real quick. So, you know, they're deeper, but if he doesn't use it, what's the point? Yeah. Um, well, it'll be fascinating to see because I think Utah will make adjustments and this, this series should, I think it'll get feistier. Um, maybe it won't. I hope so. I hope so. I mean, just cause it, 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 the more fun these series are, I mean, we've had a great set of games, right? I mean, the, right. the first six games of the playoffs this year have been phenomenal. Um, the last two were kind of duds and I guess the, the, Golden State Clipper one, although that got feisty and and, and pretty interesting. That, that as was well. more of a Steph the Steph show made it interesting, but yeah, <laughs> right. But I mean, but we've had this has been an exciting start. Really, probably one of the better opening weekends for NBA playoffs than we've had in a while. I can't absolutely. Talk. Well, with that, we'll get out of here. Uh, Mo, appreciate it. Excited to have you on more often. I'm excited, man. I'm ready to go, Sam. Thank you, KJ. Yeah, Kevin Johnson here. It was great to produce. I I almost said Kevin Johnson and I was like no I'm not gonna say it and that's why I went to KJ I'm I'm secretly a little pissed off about this but (laughs) (laughs) we're off to a bang up start we're off to just a great start all right that was the first episode of Blue Wire Buckets uh make sure to subscribe and we will be back every Monday Wednesday and Friday for the duration of the playoffs, if not beyond discussing games and whatever the relevant storylines are. Can't do that better.